This is The Guardian. Today, leading entrepreneur or lucky baroness, the story of Michelle Moan. Where's that dust coming from? Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. So I can't begin to explain what an honour it is to be making my maiden speech in your Lordship's house today. When Michelle Moe made her first speech as a Baroness back in 2016, she was seen as a breath of fresh air in the House of Lords. Working class, Scottish, glamorous, self-made. I was lucky that my mum and dad taught me dreams can come true. If you work hard... Be honest and never, ever give up. But within just a handful of years, Moan has become mired in a scandal that has seen her accused of profiting from the COVID pandemic, of exploiting her political connections, of being involved with a company that was fast-tracked to win government contracts. For months now, she and her husband, Doug Barrowman, have been under investigation for fraud by the National Crime Agency. Moan has taken a leave of absence from the House of Lords. So Michelle Moan, since the revelations began in the Guardian newspaper, is taking a leave of absence with immediate effect uh, while she, uh, as it's put by her team, clears her name. The Guardian's David Kahn has revealed the twists and turns that have seen Moan deny any involvement in PP MedPro to confessing that she had lied to the media all along. It wasn't just lying, like, I mean, it was a sustained operation with lawyers sending formal legal threats, essentially, to us, making these statements, which essentially they're now admitting were were false, were untrue. And now, there's even more. From The Guardian, I'm Nasheen Iqbal. Today in Focus... Baroness Michelle Moan and the unravelling of the PPE MedPro scandal. David Kahn, you're The Guardian's investigations correspondent. You've been reporting on Michelle Moan over the past few years, but to understand where we've ended up, I think we need to start at the very beginning. What do we know about her upbringing? So Michelle Moan grew up in quite a poor part of Glasgow. As a wee girl, I grew up in a tenement flat in the east end of Glasgow, with no bath or shower and only a cupboard for a bedroom. But she says that she was very entrepreneurial, even when she was very young. 
I started my first business when I was 10 years old. I had a paper round, and by the time I was 11, I had 17 teenagers working for me. <laughs> and then she worked for a fruit and veg shop and got headhunted by the sweet shop across the road. Who paid me 15 pence more an hour, so I can tell your lordships, I was off like a shot. <laughs> and she left school at 15, I think she says, without any qualifications. I had nothing except passion, determination and a can-do attitude. I didn't realise it at the time, but those are the basic ingredients required to be an entrepreneur. So, you know, her story is all about being a very successful entrepreneur even when she was very, very young. In her telling, she grafted as a child to become this sort of mini businesswoman and then later, Michelle Moan moved on to the business that made her name, Ultimo, the underwear brand. And at the beginning, she claimed her bras were used in a major Hollywood movie. Michelle's gel-filled bra became an overnight success in the year 2000 after Julia Roberts wore one in the film Erin Brockovich. Something that was later completely denied by the film's costume designer. But she did build Ultimo in the 90s as this must-have brand all over tabloid magazines and talk show sofas. David, how successful was it? So she started this company with her first husband, Michael Moan. After years of working for others, getting married and having children, I decided to go it alone. I started in my bedroom and against all the odds, turned it into a successful global brand. It was kind of the crossover of celebrity culture and it was glamorous bras and underwear. And she had some celebrities to model them. So these are all of your girls, are they? Or a um, selection of? Yeah, a selection of, not all of them. I, reckon, um, I recognise you've got Rachel Hunter. Rachel Hunter, Penny Lancaster, Helena Christensen, Sarah Harden, uh, Mel B, and the list goes on and on and on. Wow. Yeah. You know, it was pictures and the photo shoots were eagerly devoured by magazines and celebrity publications. That's New York Fashion Week. The Mail, Michelle. Yeah. What's that one, Michelle? Apprentice, yeah. Hello Magazine, Michelle. Hello. <laughs> My goodness. The Michelle Wall. And so, particularly in Scotland, she became well-known through Ultimo and there was a general image of glamour and fame and success. And so she wasn't publicity shy, was she? I mean, how did she manage to sell herself as one of Britain's foremost businesswomen? She's not publicity shy at all. I went to the launch in London and... We had surgeons, well, actors dressed as surgeons. I dressed them all up as plastic surgeons saying, ban the Ultimo bra. And I got so much press coverage. And the police came up and said, who's responsible for this? I said, me. And he says, well, move right now. Or we're going to arrest you. I said, that'll get me more publicity. <laughs> arrest me. <laughs> she was very much into PR, photo shoots, becoming kind of like the personality of Ultimo, the personality of a very successful entrepreneur with her story of coming from a deprived background in Glasgow. I'm going to show people that someone from the East End who hasn't done well at school can still make something of their lives. 
and sort of positioning herself and Ultimo in the kind of glamour celebrity publicity world. And yet it wasn't all smooth sailing behind the scenes. And we know that during the divorce between Michelle and her husband, Michael Moan, Ultimo ran into trouble. I do believe that if you take your business home to the household, either you will unfortunately get a divorce or your business will go bust. David, what happened? In 2008, that was one of its best years and it made a profit of nearly a million pounds. But 2010 to 11, coinciding with the breakup of her marriage to Michael Moan, Ultimo starts making losses and by 2012, it's in serious financial difficulties. Michael Moan ends up leaving the business and Michelle Moan is desperate to find a buyer and she ends up finding this Sri Lankan company, MAS, that take Ultimo over in 2013. The government themselves said that she'd sold an 80% stake in 2014 in a multi-million pound sale. But we've seen in a legal document in an employment tribunal judgment that the total takeover of Ultimo by the Sri Lankan company was 1.3 million. And that was after Michelle and Michael Moan had half each and she had to buy Michael's stake plus another small stake. And it was taken over by MAS as a rescue, but they didn't ever manage to put it back on its feet and it did end up getting wound up. So um, 2018, they, they decided to wind Ultimo up. And yet despite this, in 2015, the then Prime Minister David Cameron appoints Michelle Moan as the government's entrepreneurship czar. What exactly did that mean and what did she do? The entrepreneurship czar was actually something very particular and it was to lead a review for the Department of Work and Pensions, whose minister at the time was Ian Duncan Smith. And it was all about trying to support people in deprived areas to set up their own businesses. Ian Duncan Smith asked me to head a review on a subject really close to my heart, boosting startup businesses in deprived areas. And the focus of it was really about what levers of like the benefit system and of public money and of startup loans could there be to help people who don't have a lot of money set up very small scale businesses? We don't actually know too much about it. I've asked both her and the government a series of detailed questions about it because on the 1st of March 2016, they published this report and Michelle Mona self tweeted a video of herself saying that Downing Street had only just given a one day's notice. Hi guys, welcome to my London office. I've just finished mentoring a bunch of entrepreneurs and Downing Street have been on the phone. They're launching the review tomorrow, three months early. Final parts in June. Thanks to everyone who's taken part. And she said that there would be a final part in June 2016, but there never was. And also that she was working with banks to set up a nationwide network of what she called enterprise hubs, but that never happened either. The government, David Cameron's government and Ian Duncan Smith, they really promoted this image of Michelle Moan as a very successful businesswoman. And it was the same month, just later in August 2015, that David Cameron appointed her as a member of the House of Lords. My Lords, 
I am devoted to helping achieve our goals for the people of this country. I look forward to playing a full and active role in your Lordship's house. Right, so from this journey as entrepreneurships are, she eventually ended up in the House of Lords as Baroness Moan of Mayfair. David, how did that go down at the time? When David Cameron appointed her to the House of Lords, she was described as leading entrepreneur. But what's very interesting looking back is how outspoken the criticism was from business people in Scotland who said that she was not the successful businesswoman of the level that the government was seen to be promoting. And one business figure actually wrote to David Cameron and said in the letter, essentially her PR image is far in excess of the actual success of the business. And I've got that letter and he actually itemised for the government what financial state the different businesses were in at the time, including Ultimo. And he said that Ultimo had been taken over because otherwise it would have gone insolvent. He put that in his letter to Cameron. David, putting aside Michelle Moan's business record for a moment, let's talk about her record in the House of Lords. Can you tell me how active she's been as Baroness Moan? She has voted, but over the five years that she was in the House of Lords from 2016 to 2020 inclusive, I think she spoke once in each year in the House of Lords. So she's spoken five times altogether since being made a peer in 2015. I think it's really important to say we get confused about the House of Lords being an honour, like a knighthood or an OBE or an MBE. But being put in the House of Lords is very, very different from that. It's being put in Parliament, in the legislature. You become somebody who makes the laws for the country. Well, David, in 2020, COVID, of course, happened. The UK government sets up this VIP lane for companies to apply to provide vital medical supplies, such as PPE. And, we know, without the usual level of oversight given to government contracts. Up steps Baroness Moan. How did she initially promise to help the government? In May 2020, she approached first Michael Gove, who was Cabinet Office Minister, and then another minister in the Cabinet Office, Lord Agnew, promising to supply PPE or saying she could source PPE through, quote, my team in Hong Kong. So after Moan's recommendation in June 2020, the government signed two contracts with PPE MedPro worth a total of £203 million. Now, this newly formed company, which had just been set up the month before, agreed to supply urgently needed personal protective equipment, surgical gowns, masks, so on, for NHS workers working through the COVID emergency. Doug Barrowman, Michelle Moan's second husband, he seemed to be somehow involved. And it's at this point that alarm bells began ringing for you and you came to the story. David, what did you report? So the PPE MedPro contract was published It was the Good Law Project, the not-for-profit campaign organisation that 
they were really scrutinising all the companies that were given contracts and pointing out that there seemed to be links. So there were apparent links between this company, PP MedPro, and Michelle Moan. So I just made inquiries of Michelle Moan and her husband, Doug Barryman, like, yeah, there are apparent links, like people who are working for this company work for Doug Barryman and did used to work for, for Moan. So are you connected? You know, are you involved with this? And we just got these really, really emphatic denials from their lawyers, essentially saying, no, they're, they're not involved at all. So how did they portray the company? They really painted a picture, which was that PP MedPro was a group of very experienced medical supplies professionals who they weren't naming, but who'd been asked by the government to step up and provide PPE. And Doug Barrowman's company, which is a financial services company, was just providing like a registered office, directors who just do the sort of basic company stuff that needs doing. And I can absolutely remember them using the word bookkeeping, that the services include bookkeeping. So they painted this picture of Barrowman's company just doing these very basic, essentially admin services for a group of highly experienced medical supplies professionals and it had nothing to do with Michelle Moan or Doug Barrowman themselves and it would be defamatory to say that she was even associated with PPE MedPro and that's where we were at the end of 2020. We know that her office, Michelle Moan's office, uh, have said that they're going to be taking potentially legal action about these allegations against her. In 2021, the government itself had to publish the fact that Michelle Moan had recommended this company, had approached the government. And even then, her lawyers were still saying that doesn't mean that anything that they said in 2020 was false. And that's all she did. She never did any, anything else. She just approached the government to make the offer and then she didn't do anything else. And then this line of argument crumbles. David, last year you reported that not only had Michelle Moan lobbied government for PPE MedPro contracts, but that £29 million from that deal was put into a trust of which Moan and her children were beneficiaries, and that she and her husband were subject to an internal investigation by HSBC. Yeah, well, in November 2022, I reported, based on a leaked document produced by HSBC Bank, Doug Barrowman had been paid at least £65 million from the profits of PPE MedPro and he'd then transferred £29 million to a trust, an offshore trust, of which Michelle Moan and her three adult children were beneficiaries. But even then, at that stage, both of them were denying that they'd been involved at all and they didn't really reply very substantively to that piece except Doug Barrowman's lawyer said a lot of it was inaccurate and I think Michelle Moan's lawyer at that point said she couldn't comment. So David the last time you spoke to Today in Focus about the Michelle Moan story I do remember it came with a lot of legal caveats. Moan absolutely denied her involvement with PP and MedPro. Her lawyers denied she had profited in any way from that COVID contract. Then, in December last year, a documentary appears on YouTube, paid for by PP MedPro, titled 
Baroness Moan and the PPE scandal. And then, a bombshell drops. My family have gone through hell with the media over my career. And I didn't want another big hoo-ha in the press and my family to be involved in it. Michelle Moan appeared on TV to give an interview to the BBC. David, what did she have to say? She did the interview with her husband, Doug Barrowman, and they had vet, you know, quite a lot to say. But the key thing which leapt out was that they're now admitting that, yes, they absolutely were involved in PPE MedPro. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. I wasn't trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes. And I regret and I'm sorry for not seeing straight out, yes, I am involved. She admitted that she lied to the media, which obviously means that she lied to us. Saying to the press, I'm not involved to protect my family, can I just make this clear? It's not a crime. I'm essentially sitting in the same place where we'd received all these legal threats from three different lawyers. They can be really aggressive and they can be really personalised as well. Like the lawyer's style is really personalised against the reporter who's reporting on it and... No, it wasn't just lying, it was instructing lawyers to threaten the newspapers, the media. And seeing Barrowman admit to, I mean, he admitted to around, he said, £60 million profits. The two contracts in total came to a value of, uh, of £202 million. Pounds. You know, MedPro made a, made a return on its investment of about, realistically, about 30%. So... About £60 million? Or... Yeah, yeah, about that, yeah. Honestly, have we seen anything like this? That's not a crime to say to the press. That's not a crime. Of course, the government was aware that she was involved. We knew with our contact base that we could actually supply the volume and we believe we could get competitive prices. So Michelle uh, reached out to uh, Michael Gove who then referred on to uh, Lord Agnew, who was coordinating uh, referrals. And also, we know that she'd been in touch with other ministers, trying to get other contracts and testing contracts and so on. And I've always felt like the government itself watched her threatening the media with lawyers and said nothing. They just allowed all this to happen. Well, David, you've kept digging into Michelle Moan's business dealings. What have you found out more recently? One element of these interviews that absolutely leapt out at me was Michelle Moan saying, and Doug Barrowman, they both said that one of the reasons why they'd got involved in supplying PPE was because Michelle had strong contacts in the Far East. Uh, Michelle and I looked at each other one day and said, you know, we have strong contacts here in, uh, in the Far East. Essentially, Michelle reached out to her contacts. But our investigations have managed to go from this picture that was painted by them in 2020, which is some unnamed medical supplies expert for which Doug Barrowman's company was just providing admin and bookkeeping, basically, to really, really understanding what the operation was. We know from leaked documents that we've seen that PP MedPro, which is Barrowman's company, their commitment within the PP MedPro operation was to use what they called their extensive network to secure the contracts from the UK government. 
And they contracted with a separate company that in London called Loudwater, which is a trading company, an importing company. And it was Loudwater's role in the agreements that it was going to source the PPE. Mm. This company, Loudwater, paid another company that was registered in Cyprus for an introduction to a Hong Kong company. This company in Hong Kong, it seems like it's a relatively small company and it, in its own website advertises, even now still advertises small electrical goods like kettles and toasters and alarm clocks. And we've asked all of them many times what experience of PPE did you have before the pandemic? Because it's very hard to see that there was any. Um, and we've never really had a reply to that question. So why on earth would three different companies be involved and a company be involved that had to be paid for an introduction if she'd just reached out to her contacts in the Far East? And we asked them that question and we haven't had a response to that directly either. And it seems that Essentially, overall, from the £200 million contracts, £100 million was profit. £100 million pounds of public money shocking. was profit. And In a public health crisis. From basic PPE in the COVID pandemic at a time when there was no vaccine. So it was really serious life-protecting equipment. I can't see what we've done wrong. Doug and the consortium have simply delivered a contract, a delivery contract of goods. So the three companies that worked in this chain with PP Medpro, Loudwater, Numa Trading, Eric Bear, there's no suggestion they did anything improper. And PP Medpro made a lot of money out of this, but they did at least fulfill the contract and supply the PPE they promised. Remind us what happened to it. So the contracts were £203 million, two contracts, one to supply millions of face masks and one to supply millions of sterile surgical gowns. The face masks were accepted by the government, and I think that they were fine from what we know. But these sterile surgical gowns, which are very, very important PPE, like they're not just the basic gowns that perhaps people in care homes wear. On inspection in the UK the gowns were rejected as not fit for purpose. And the government is suing them. The actual lawsuit is public and we've been able to report on that. I think they're still being stored somewhere and the government wants PPE MedPro to pay for all the storage costs as well. And PPE MedPro's argument, Barrowman's argument, is no, the gowns were perfectly fine, all the certification was fine, it's just that the government had overordered PPE by then and they're trying to make a case that the gowns weren't safe and we're entitled to keep the money and they're defending the claim. Coming up, the criminal investigation into Michelle Moan. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. 
Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash todayinfocus. David, Michelle Moan has been placed under investigation by the House of Lords Commissioner for Standards and PP MedPro has become the subject of a potential fraud investigation by the National Crime Agency. What will they be looking into? The National Crime Agency has said from May 2021, they started an investigation and it's into the procurement of the contracts. So it seems to be into how did they get the contracts from the government And obviously we know that Michelle Moan approached Michael Gove and Lord Agnew and it was put into the VIP lane. And in the YouTube film, it was strongly indicated that they're looking at criminal offences of bribery and fraud. In April 2022, the National Crime Agency searched the homes and offices of Doug Barrowman and Baroness Moan in London and on the Isle of Man and seized computers and documents. The NCA investigation into them both is in relation to allegations of conspiracy to defraud, fraud by false representation and bribery, which they both categorically deny. Moan is saying that she was very, very much involved in the actual operation, as well as just getting the contracts. They're wanting to make the case that they stepped up in the pandemic to supply PPE and and that they haven't done anything wrong. Did you attempt to defraud the DHSC? Absolutely not. How can I defraud them when they knew I was involved? There's over 1,400 emails and communication on WhatsApps and phone calls. How can they say they didn't know I was involved? They knew everything. And the House of Lords investigation is into whether she breached the Code of Conduct, which is, which is likely to focus on the fact that she didn't register an interest in PPE MedPro. Right. Which you have to register an interest in any business that you've got a financial interest in. Obviously, at the time, 2020, she said she wasn't involved at all. But now that she's saying that she was very much involved and acknowledging that her husband, at least, made multi, multi millions of profit out of it, the argument is going to be that should she have registered the interest? 
I mean, that is quite the 180 reversal. Going from categorically denying she had any connection to PP MedPro to now insisting that everyone must have known that she was. David, in the meantime, there is no shortage of public outrage at the fact that Michelle Moan remains a member of the House of Lords. She's taken a leave of absence for now, but how do you think all of this will now play out for her? Well, obviously, the National Crime Agency has an investigation ongoing into Michelle Moan and her husband, and that is a criminal investigation into allegations of fraud and bribery, which is potentially very serious. In their interviews, they said that they both deny any wrongdoing. And you know, I think that you have to go back to David Cameron's decision to put her in the House of Lords. I, Michelle Baroness Moan, to swear by Almighty God that I will be faithful and bear true allegiance. You know, I think for the Conservatives, this has become a huge scandal because if she wasn't a Conservative peer, she wouldn't have had that access probably, and she wouldn't have been fast-tracked into the VIP lane, which mm. was for people with political connections. But as far as I can remember, Rishi Sunak just said things like, I take this issue incredibly seriously. What I'd say is the government takes these things incredibly seriously, which is why they're in the pursuing legal action against the company concerned in these matters. That's how seriously I take it and the government takes it. They just don't seem to acknowledge that anything that they did was flawed in any way. And they still don't even say that they shouldn't have set up the VIP lane in the way that they did. But how on earth, in a life-threatening pandemic, when we're having lockdowns, when we're closing schools, when we're having to protect the NHS from collapsing, instead of prioritising actual experienced PPE professionals, they prioritised people with political connections. And they said, well, if that's coming from a Conservative peer or if that's coming from a Conservative MP... We're going to treat that as credible. And that is honestly such a mountainous scandal that still needs looking at. David, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. That was The Guardian's investigations correspondent, David Conn. Do follow his reporting on this story and read his latest piece on Michelle Moan's career at theguardian.com. A spokesperson for Moan, Barrowman and PP MedPro responded to questions from The Guardian for this story. They said, Michelle was honoured to be asked to join the House of Lords by David Cameron after her role in the Scottish referendum campaign. Her appointment was duly vetted by the House of Lords Appointments Commission at the time. The spokesperson added, any suggestion that Michelle ran a successful lingerie company for many years but did not have any experience in manufacturing is laughable. Neither David Cameron nor Ian Duncan-Smith responded to invitations to comment. A Cabinet Office spokesperson pointed out that all peerages are vetted by the House of Lords Appointments Commission. That's it for today. I'm Nasheen Iqbal and this episode was produced by George McDonough. Sound design is by Solomon King. The executive producer was Phil Maynard. Have a lovely weekend. We'll see you again on Monday. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? 
Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.